Welcome back. Um, it's been a while, actually. We said we we're going to do one of these once a week. We've we've slipped there, haven't we? We're liars. Yeah. No, but we've been busy, haven't we? But we are going to get back to it. And I think that's probably um, the busyness is probably, you know, it shows that we're, we're actually like doing stuff in it rather than just talking about it. Yeah, we're yeah. working. We're actually grind. working at the coal face. At the coal face. Yeah. So just, I want to start. I think we'll, I'm going to make this a bit of a theme. Uh, just with a bit of an update, because you know we did it last time. We talked about the, all the all the listeners we'd had. So little update. Well, our last uh, how many do you think we had? Th- last time it was five? Would you reckon we're on for the last for episode two? Four. Sharpen your pencil, mate. Eight. Two. No. Eight. Eight, eight listeners. <sighs> okay, and with additional listeners going back then and listening to episode one, we're a total of sixteen all-time listeners. So big time. That is big numbers. Big time. Um, and I hope, I hope that we can break double digits on this ne- on this episode, episode three. Uh, we're calling it. If you're a purist, it's probably technically episode two because the first one was an intro, but we're not nerds. So uh, here we go. We're gonna just we're gonna take probably 20, 20 30 minutes of your time, uh, and we're just gonna talk to you a little bit about today co-hosting. Yeah, or, man- or management, co-hosting. Uh, co-hosting is a bit of an American term. I don't know, Scott, you, you're the sort of native American here. Does that mean more to you than it does to me? It does not. Okay, so co-hosting, let's just, let's just break it out. Um, well, let me tell you what it means to me anyway, because that's what we're going to talk about. So um, co-hosting, management, it's ultimately looking after someone else's property for them on Airbnb. Yeah, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can do it on a kind of JV profit share. You can do it on a fixed commission. And we could talk about that as we go through. The model we use is, is well, we use both actually. We have a, um, we do have a JV model, which we're not hugely fond of. And then we do fixed commission on, on the whole. So, um, but yeah, we're just going to have a little, just a little candid conversation about pros and cons, what to look for. Um, and um yeah, go from there. So, Scott, any thoughts before I jump into it? I want to make sure we also had a what I consider a profit share. Is that what you're talking about with Rockford for the first couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we can talk about it <clears throat> in a bit in terms of, you know, we're, we've ultimately moved away from, or moving away from that because it's it's fraught with challenges. But, you know, each to their own. And obviously every, every um, JV is, in fact, what we'll do is I'll jump in straight away with JVs, is there's a couple of ways you can do it. We did it whereby we had a 60-40 split. We paid the bills, we deducted those, and then we, we split the, you know, in lieu of a management fee, 60-40 worked quite well for initially, it was, it was all right. And then as time went on, it became a little bit tricky to manage, tracking bills, who paid what, 60%, et cetera, et cetera. So in the end, we ended up actually just moving to a fixed commission model, and then, and then ultimately they, they get a little bit more slice of the pie. So it's kind of worked out in the end, but, uh, you know, all I would say with JV relationships is you need to be, uh, I would say you need to have a very good relationship prior to entering into a, a JV property management agreement because otherwise you're going to, you know, you're going to test that, test that relationship really quickly. So uh, definitely helps if you, if you know the person already or people and you've got a kind of working relationship or understanding. I think with friends it can become tricky quite quickly so just be careful there if you've got friends that want to get involved or you want to manage a friend's property then that can be a really good foundation but as soon as money gets involved you know that is just something to be aware of but yeah that's jvs but the 
Um, you know, as I said, we use a fixed commission model now. It's it's pretty effective. People know what they're getting, and ultimately, the more we sell, the more we make. So, you know, thoughts on the fixed commission over the JV? It all depends on the property, the property and the person uh, you're working with. Well, what a lovely what a lovely segue. Yeah. So. Next point, this is really the meat of this episode because it's, it's born out of a huge amount of frustration recently we've had. I'm not going to name names or properties for those who could work it out. But we have, uh, not just one to be fair, we have had a number of clients that have been incredibly high maintenance and difficult to work for. And all but one, we have ultimately binned off because they just weren't worth, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, was it? The juice was not worth the squeeze yeah. and it ends up being more of your time effort, energy, and just the general flow of things can get frustrating. Well, this is, I think, the classic... So two things here. For me, one, we... And this, when we first started managing, we... So to give you a little context, we obviously had our own portfolio. We built a bit of infrastructure in terms of running and managing our own properties. And then we realized, hey, this is really easy to plug and play, stick some other units in and and you know, make some money on the side if you like. That's how we started doing it. Anyway, that's why. Then, um, yeah, we, we decided, let's take on a load of clients. We're like, bit more is more, right? Bigger is better. And we started taking on anybody that was interested in us managing a property, basically. Um, we, had, we were probably, well, we were below the market, the industry standard, I'd say, in terms of our commission, the fixed commission model we were offering. But we were, we, were, we were below, not necessarily because we didn't know what the industry standard was, was because we thought it was a little bit high. Mm. And, we, and the goal of this, at least as from our approach, right, is if you're managing the property, our number one goal is to make our clients, who are predominantly friends and family, money. So ultimately, yeah, it's below the industry standard, but for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, and then we learned that actually... That's probably, it's probably, the industry standard's probably the standard for a reason, isn't it? The industry standard's probably closer to the industry standard for a reason. Yeah, correct. So, and that's probably lesson one, is more is not more, um, bigger is not better. We, and, and the biggest thing that I think I've take, I'll take away from our first 18 months, two years of management, um, is pick your clients. Do you think that's fair? Pick your clients and have a crystal clear expectation of how things are going to go, which is something that, again, a reason to listen to us is we've made all the mistakes possible. But the idea is if you don't know how this is going to go before you do it and you just think it's going to be easy cash grab, that's not the case. At least it isn't now, even you know more so than it was three years ago. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. The expectations of the property need to be crystal clear. And that is something that we've learned the hard way in that people have this idea that they're going to all of a sudden take their property and they're going to short term let it, Airbnb it, and they're going to make 5,000 pounds a month that ultimately possibly replaces what they were making before at 15 or 1,800 minus the mortgage. So they think this is going to be an absolute you know, 200, 300% increase in terms of revenue. And that's just not the case. Not only that, but when you fix the property on a standard AST, a standard, standard let, you're going to get the same money every month. When you do this as a short-term accommodation, that money is going to fluctuate. 
It's not going to be consistent. Hopefully it's more than what you would have gotten every month, but that also can't be guaranteed. And so you need to have the expectations that you're getting into this for the long haul and there will be ups and downs. Yeah, and I think I'd agree with all of that. And I'd say one of the biggest challenges with new clients coming into this market is they are often quite greedy. I think that's the, the reason that lots of landlords are coming over now is because they want to make more money, obviously. Yeah. Now, part of that's because rates have gone up, their mortgage has gone up, you know, utility bills, um, cost of living crisis, you know, energy crisis, whatever. Ultimately, people are driven into this model, bearing in mind it is more effort, it is, the commissions are higher, and they're ultimately here because they want to make more money. So I think there is definitely, uh, you know, our best clients, our best clients are incredibly understanding that there is market fluctuation, and our new clients from now on are, it's made very clear that this is a cruel walk-run model. You definitely have to build some credibility you have to build reviews you have to build some customer interaction and, and get that feedback more importantly and use it to make sure that the guest experience ultimately is awesome and then it grows right naturally like a beautiful flower but um i think too many people tip up they're like no well we had one very recently again we'll, we'll remain nameless but came in big expectations of you know 350 a night adr um you know we had a very frank conversation about Building, building a rep, you know, reviews, la-di-da. Patience and time. Yeah. And what happened ultimately, I think less than two months, I think it might have been six weeks of management, they decided they were going to move to another, another um, management agency, which they did. And we were, at that point, it's worth mentioning, very happy to see them go because they were that high maintenance. They moved on. And within, I think another six weeks had decided that that agency wasn't doing it either, believe it or not. And they weren't getting the prices they wanted and now it's, it's back on the market as a long let, which was, you know, it's gone full circle. So, and that's an, that's an example of an incredibly impatient person um, who really did want, want it and they wanted it yesterday. But it's, it's green and greedy. It's someone, and who knows where this comes from, they see it, other people doing it and they want to they have a look an internet search and all of a sudden they see someone else's flat or someone else's property and they think my property is either equivalent or better or it can do in the same ballpark and then they all of a sudden they put it up and they you know they think that that their property is essentially worth more than it is not to mention in terms of a very important lesson in terms of picking a property uh, and, and, a, and a partnership or a client is, is that property an investment property and they understand that it, it is there to maximize its value or is this property as, as it can be to some owners, something more in that, is it, is it almost a piece of themselves basically where it's, you know, they think it's this great thing and they have these, these expectations that are so high that it's highly unlikely that you are going to be able to fulfill what they expect uh, in as a return in terms of everything, not just money, but quality as well. The more people you host will equal more money, hopefully, but it will also mean that you are likely to increase the number of issues you have, just bad reviews in general. Someone's going to go in and complain about something minute and give you a bad score. It's just inevitable. So 
managing your clients' expectations is enormous. And green and greedy, if that's where they are, is a real tough start. Yeah. And I think the next thing uh, is not just the client, like you said before, it's the, it's the property as well. And we've, you know, a lot of the bad clients we've had have had great properties. And I think that's part of the lure where you're like, property's amazing. I can see the potential. I'll take that client. They turn out to be an absolute box of frogs and, um, and we end up getting rid of them. But yeah, so the le big lesson for us, first one is, we definitely handpick our clients now. Uh, you know, that's not to say we're inundated with uh, opportunities. You know, obviously we still have to work quite hard to find um, to find clients that you know have properties that we think will work and that we want to work with. But you know, we're always looking for new clients. But yeah, we definitely don't take everything that comes to the door now. I think that's a fair statement. Would you say? Yeah, at this point now, it is. There's some serious vetting in terms of who we would take. At the same time, even with that, you're going to you're going to run into people because we've had clients, they'll remain nameless, that you went, okay, this person seems uh, together and they understand the game and they actually can even seem uh, relaxed about it. And then you can make them a ton of money and that will not be the most important thing to them. It will be, why didn't you do everything to perfection? Yeah. Yeah, there's just no pleasing some people. And and so at that point, this is what we've done is also we've realized, okay, this isn't this is this is no longer working six, seven months into it. It's time for for a change. For everyone's sake as well. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, vet the people, make sure you you like the people and you can work with the people, uh, because you will be working with them much more than you know, if you for example, you've come from a, a traditional AST or a long let background. You're gonna you're gonna have many many more touch points with your clients than you would on a long let, just because there's more stuff happening all the time, and yeah, they want to know more. As I say, they're more invested. They're looking for more cash. They want more interaction. So yeah, definitely vet the vet the client. Second one is obviously the property. Now I've got a question I want to ask you because I had a very recent conversation with an, another local operator who um, won't touch one beds, won't touch them, won't manage them. Um, just because there's not enough, not enough juice in it for him. So I mean, we've got a couple of one beds. We we manage a couple of very successful one beds. I'm just interested in your thoughts on the management fixed commission model on one beds. Go. Well, the first thing to say is we are in Bath, so you always have to a consider your location. We initially started this. We thought that one beds were. And they wouldn't work or they wouldn't work as well as we wanted them to work because they're in direct competition with hotels. What I think is actually occurring is that people prefer a one bedroom short term let to a hotel room for a variety of reasons. The, the location could be better. The flat is larger. It allows you to cook inside. Perhaps it has a garden. All the intricacies of a one bed. So the point of it, though, is that one beds absolutely work and it's it's. Not all, not all one beds, just like not all properties work. You know, I think we spoke on this on previous, uh, we only had two previous, but on the previous episodes in terms of what you're looking for in a location to take. So the same thing remains, right? You're looking at location, parking, garden, size. Um, th those, those kind of things are, are big. Mm, period features as well. Correct. In I mean, this city. Yeah, Everyone wants a Georgian... They really do. Uh, terrace, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so one beds can absolutely work. You still follow the same guidelines, almost as if it was a two bed to some extent, and even possibly a three bed. Location matters. The, you know, the layout of the flat matters. The number of bathrooms, bedrooms, size, garden, parking. There's still some things, but would would you and I both have spoken that we wish we had not sold our one bed that we had mm. on a 60-40 split. Yeah. We wish we had actually kept it. Should have kept it. Yeah. And we seesawed on that for a while, but there you go. We are where we are. Uh, another mistake. Chalk that up to another yeah. another learning. Yeah. Um, but all I'd say with the one beds is there is a... You, you've, got to do your, you've got to do your maths on it because what you... Because ultimately, it comes down to an, an exchanging energy for money game, right? And well, you... and it, but again, again, it's do the math because Jamie, in case anyone doesn't know, Jamie's the one who usually does a lot of the pre-mathematics before we get into a property in terms of due diligence. We call it, yeah, correct. Um, the biggest thing is, though, again, take your time, right? A lot of the one beds, the value, you. My biggest thing is a lot of times our rent, our leases are about three years. We kind of chalk up the first year to it's going to take us time to get settled. It's going to take some time to get some traction. It's going to take time to get some reviews. And then year two and year three is when you're really hoping that you're going to see uh, the the returns you want. So just because you're, you're I don't want to say you're scared of a one bed. One beds work. They take time. Factor that into your equation. Yeah. And when, and you know, and, and obviously we're talking specifically about co-hosting or managing. I think it's, yeah, you've just got to have a consideration of the amount of energy you're going to put into getting it going, how much energy you're going to put into it on an ongoing basis, whether that's, you know, depending on how you do your communications, how you do your, you know, um, coordinating your cleaners, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's all energy right now. <clears throat> if you get to, you know, where I'd like to think we're at now in terms of automation and use of um, AI and virtual assistants and, you know, having a really good cleaning team, it does start to become semi-passive like we've talked about previously but um yeah i just think gotta be very careful because what you don't want to find is that you find yourself with a one bed you're putting loads of energy in and you're making 150 quid a month it's just when you look at it you know pound per per hour spent it's just not the juice ain't worth the squeeze um and the other thing i would add quickly before we move on is um is one to definitely avoid and this comes to the client and we've been caught in this trap as well is you want that property available for 90% of the calendar year. What you don't want is a client who wants to be in there every five, I nearly swore then, every five minutes uh, because they maybe they work in the city occasionally and that turns out to be two days every week because all that does is kill your margin in terms of how many nights it's available, which ultimately is where you make your money. Um, because... well, and, and logistically, it just gets more complicated oh. because I know what individual you're talking about. Yeah. And if they walk off with, I don't know, say keys you need for parking access, that can be a huge headache that costs you more and more time. And this is actually brilliant because he's talking about making sure that whatever property you take, you know the availability and you want the availability, especially on the weekends, it's hands down. And what you really want is you want a, a flat that is your own. But this actually goes back to the to because this this issue whole thing could have been done with the vetting of the clients. We talked about vetting of the clients, but we didn't actually tell you things that I would ask a client now going forward, any client we had. So one of those first questions is, what is you know kind of what does this flat mean to you? Is this a home? Do you come? Do you share it? 
Um, these are things that you need to ask anybody who's a potential client is, you know, kind of what is this flat to you? Because in, in a real interesting thing, we have had clients that have put a ton of work into a flat and have made it very, um, I don't want to say quirky, but eccentric maybe is the word. And you would think that she would be, you know, that was a, obviously a little Give it away now. I mean, a little bit. God. Um, you would think that she was the one who really cared about the flat in terms of like personal feelings towards it. And she, she, she cares about it, but she cares about it so much that it makes her as much money as possible. And so real switched on, it is literally about the bottom line. She wants a good quality product, but she wants bottom line. Meanwhile, we've had somebody who have made what I would argue is a lot of money, but they, the flat to them resonates in their core being as something more than just a flat. It is, it is their house in Bath and who knows how long they've had it and what they've done with it. But it is, it is a bigger piece than just a money maker to them. And again, this goes back to vetting your clients. If I was, if we were to do this and when we do this to the next client is, okay, you know, is this flat mine? How much time do you spend in it? What is your end goal? Is it, is it money or is it, do you want, you know, what do you want from this? When you get a bad review, how do you handle a bad review? How are you going to handle a bad review? Who's responsible for it? You know, telling the guests that these things happen, right? You can look at, you can look at properties across the board all over the planet and find places that you think are fantastic. They will have bad reviews because they've run into somebody who, who knows why picky, bad day, whatever is going to leave a bad review. So these are things, but again, it's not about the bad review. It's about vetting your client, your potential client in terms of what this property means to them and the questions you need to ask them that help you get the feeling of, do I want to work with this person or don't I want to work with this person? Yeah. And I think the, the most obvious split is between your, what I call your accidental landlord, right? That's your landlord who bought a flat, lived in it loves it like you say it's their little you know they've got cherished memories there they then upscale or move in with a husband or whatever and then they've got this flat which is a great asset it cash flowing asset it's great but they've got that emotional connection with it and that's the problem you don't want that emotional connection you want you want investors or if you do have people and don't be wrong you can still work with accidental landlords we've got lots but you you want to make sure that they are there's a very clear understanding of that this is an investment and that where we come in, our, our role is to make that investment make you as much money as possible whilst looking after it, making sure that it's well maintained, cleaned, etc, etc. Everything that goes with it being a nice place to go and stay in. So we definitely have a lot of clients who get, or not a lot of clients, we have some clients, some ex-clients who get very excited about stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that the guest doesn't care about, stuff that doesn't come up in reviews or feedback. For example? For example, toilet paper, right? Limits. Most people, yeah, most people aren't too fussy about the paper that they shove between their cheeks to wipe their hoop, <laughs> right? Most people, as long as it's not like abrasive, right? Most people aren't that fussy. Whereas we've got clients that want the most luxurious or recycled or fancy toilet. But now I'm going to put a bit of context on this because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm happy to accommodate people where I can. When you're buying in bulk, all right, I'm not buying fancy toilet paper for one individual because they like the look of it. Not happening. Okay, now if they want to do that and they want to source it themselves, fine. Don't be asking me to do it because I ain't got time for that. 
So it's toilet paper. Get a, get a grip. You, you can tell how emotional yeah. he's gotten. You got fired up. So that's right one. Linen's another one. You know, obviously, these are things that are organized for, for the point of logistics at scale. You know, we've got lots of properties. We have one linen provider that is doing linen for everyone. I'm not doing individual linen contracts for individual properties. Imagine the logistical burden. Not going to happen. Well, and the beauty of all of this, and it's actually one of the things where, because we can actually relate it to specifically us when we first started out with just two or three properties and we were actually being managed by somebody else. We put in very nice coffee machines that were costing us too much. They were costing us more than they were than the return we were getting. And so we like good coffee. We put good coffee in, but we realized that at some point, probably about a year and a half in, that that it was a waste of money because the guests ultimately don't leave reviews and they don't really care. I mean, I'm sure the quality of coffee matters, but the availability is more important than the quality to some extent. Yeah. So you don't want to have dirt coffee, but you don't need to have the finest of fine coffee because in the end, just like the linen and the toilet paper, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It, there, there's way more important variables when people consider property selection. So as long as it's clean, but that's, it, and that's for the toilet paper and the linen. You don't want to be exactly. You don't want to be going in this dirty uh, loo roll. That's not. But again, so these these are these things with. I'm not even sure we're talking about property in terms of vetting, but as it goes to again vetting clients, you know, it's one of those things where this is about explaining your process, how you're going to do things, and and setting it very clearly that. You know, if they don't like the linen provider, they're probably going to need to source it because for us, we do 18, 20 properties. We cannot make a, a change for one property because the owner doesn't like it while we've had zero complaints about the linen at all. Mm. So there we are. I've had an event there as well. Now, I, we've, been, we've been gassing now for quite a while, so I just want to talk about one more thing before we go. And that is co-hosting as a entry means into this industry. Now, we're, we obviously operate in the rent-to-rent -rent space um, or rental arbitrage, if you're listening in America. Um, but a lot of people preach this method. We don't, but I think there's definitely some value in it. And I definitely think, well, I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. But we obviously got into this by renting a property and then subletting it with permission, clearly, um, ticking all the correct boxes. There is a method where you can get into the, this rental arbitrage or rent to rent model without even having to rent the property. So ultimately, you know, you've got a property on the market. I approach you, it's on as a, as a 12 month AST, six month AST, whatever. I approach you and I say, hey, Scotty Ianes, um, I, wanna, I wanna manage your property for you, right? I've done the D&D, &D. I know what it's worth, is how uh, it stacks up. Let's do either a profit share or a fixed commission model and, um, and see how it goes. The, the one that I think is most successful I've seen, which I really like, is I guarantee your rent. So whatever rent you wanted, say you've got it on the market for 1500 a calendar month. I say to you, hey, look, Scotty, here's the deal. First 1500 pounds in your pocket, that covers your rent. That's guaranteed, as in the first 1500 of the top line revenue we collect is yours. And then everything else we split based on however you want to split it, 50-50 or whatever. Now the 50-50 split's quite nice because that way you're still getting what you wanted in the first place, which is your 1500 a calendar month. Anything after that's a Brucey bonus. And for me, as a managing agent, I can still make potentially more than I would on a fixed commission at 20, 25%. What do you think about that? 
He's processing. I can see his little the cogs are turning. This is unscripted, by the way. It's worth mentioning that this pod is completely unscripted. That's why you get kind of moments like this. Just, it is completely unscripted. Yeah. I'm all for it. I think we had this before. This mentioned in the first episode that when you approached me with this model, I did not believe that it worked. So I've been wrong before. Don't, don't see why I can't be wrong again. I think it could absolutely work. As always, my fear is once the owner sees that their money is being made, why you know why allow it? Why, why allow someone else to make it for them? Good they question. Can make it themselves. But again, I assume this goes back to accidental. Maybe they don't live anywhere near the property, and all they want is their money. And if they happen to get a little extra, great. Don't look. You know what is it? I'm adding. Yeah, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Exactly. Um, so just let that one go, and you know, because again. The be- I, don't, I don't want to say the best people in this game, the best people in this model, this management, this strategy. I don't want to say the ones who aren't greedy. Be greedy, but be realistic greedy. Mm. That's what it is. So yeah. we, th- with the clients we have, the ones that I think are doing the best are the ones who are going about it with a realistic expectation about their time, how much they're putting in it, what the return's going to be, and where to go next in terms of their next property. That's really what it is. Mm. And so, but so people that, you know, are, are rushing to it and, I don't, you know, they're cowboys basically, and they're, and they're, and they're greedy, right? Yeah. They're probably like, again, you mentioned the client who already changed management twice and is going back up on long-term let. He, I mean, who knows what he's done with the property and how much it's cost him to furnish it, to then hire us to do what we did, to then switch to someone else to then go back to a standard let, all furnished, like... Madness, and the void that, the void that will experience now because he's trying to shift a, a top-end unit, fully furnished, at top-end top end rent. Yeah, good luck. You just narrow your market. But anyway, I think for me, the key, the key, 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 um, just going back to your point of why would the owner uh, not do it themselves, is right. you've got to add value. Yep. I think if you add value... And, and ultimately they make more money than they otherwise would have done, then that's, 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 your, that's the game, right? Add value, let them see the value that you've added and put more money in their pocket, it's a win-win. But I, think that's, I just think that's a really nice way of getting into this industry, you know, which is an industry which is still growing, expanding, and you know, becoming more and more popular not just with end users and guests, but with investors as well. And uh, no doubt another pod will talk about upcoming legislation, which is inevitable. But right now, let's make some let's make some hay, right? Whilst the sun's shining. I think it's a really nice way of getting into the industry and not having to throw a load of cash down, right? Because now you're not putting any money in. You're having a conversation with a landlord, you know, you've, and we can talk about ways to find these people and, and search methods again and, and you know, uh, in the later, later episodes. But ultimately, you know, you can find someone, have a conversation, get them to sign a contract, and away you go. No money down. They're paying for the furniture. They're paying for any decorating that's involved. And then you're just going to manage it and take a slither to deliver. You know, it's a great, it's a great way. And again, like everything else we said, once you've got your system set up, it's semi-passive. You know, you could do this on the side of a of a full time job, and make a little bit of extra, extra money. So just food for thought. But we'll finish there, I think. All I will say, is learn about, learn about, co hosting. Learn about that model I've just explained. Learn about rent to rent. Um, by coming along, to one of our networking events. First one, seventh 
of March 2024. It's a bit, it's a bit away, but that's just because we're planning such quality content that by the time you get there, it will be next level. So that's 7th of March in the beautiful World Heritage City of Bath, the Bath Spa Hotel, McDonald's Bath Spa Hotel. Thursday evening, that is. It's a Thursday. 7 p.m. It's on Eventbrite. Go and look it up. If not, jump on our Instagram page. Um, go to the link tree. Find find the relevant link and and come and see us. That's obviously if you're local, if you're in the you know the Bath, Bristol, maybe Cardiff area. And then the second one I just want to mention quickly is we, we are running in the same location in the following two days or day and a half, a little two-day workshop on the on the Friday and Saturday, 8th and 9th of March. So again, all the information for that is on our on our webpage. Go and take a look or take a look at our link tree if, if you're on Instagram. Um, and take a look because, yeah, we're, we're running a couple of offers on that, early bird offers. And worth mentioning, I should have mentioned it a second ago, for the networking event, Mark Simpson from Boostly is coming down. He's going to have a chat with us. So we're quite excited about that. Uh, if you don't follow Boostly or Mark Simpson and you're interested in short-term service accommodation, then you're, you're a lunatic. Follow him because he, he knows his stuff. Um, so that's it, really. Thanks for listening. That's been quite a long one. I think I pitched it at 20 minutes and we've done about an hour and a half. Uh, we'll have to cut it on the edit. But um, it's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, we'll see you probably in another eight weeks by the time we get around to recording the next one. No, I'm only joking. It'll be next week. But thanks for listening. <laughs>